Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Wow. Guy has voice like an angel. That's pretty amazing. So um, I want to do a couple things before I'm actually waiting for something. Can I have can I have this stand? I just want to stand down here with you guys. Is that okay? That's good. I like to look people eye to eye. I don't like to be up here. I've got a very big church, and the media team hates it when I'm preaching because the people in the pack, the back, have a hard time, a lot of times, seeing me. But I want, I want to be on face level. You know, <clears throat> that's perfect. Thank you. I was in Chagoria, Kenya, once, and uh, and it was we were having a pretty large crusade there, um, and uh, this is interesting. What is this like antennas? I've never seen this before. Have you seen these before? <laughs> wow, that's pretty amazing. What do you do with those? They're like little ant antennas. They're like shaking. They're going to distract me. All right. And so I was there in Chagoria, Kenya, and uh, in the same thing. Now, this is something when you're going through crusade ministry and you're learning about how to do crusades, you never do what I'm about to do, I'll tell you, okay? So basically, I told the whole field, there was about 20,000 of them. I said, everybody sit in a circle real quick. And they were like... <laughs> And everybody sat in a circle. It was awesome. And I, I told the organizer, I said, bring me the pulpit and put it in the center of the people. So they did. And that night, it was pretty, pretty amazing. I just got to sit there and walk amongst the people. That's, that's important to me. Being with the people, that's very, very important. I'm going to take this off, too. You guys, this, you guys like watches? You like following the time? I don't. I was a missionary in Mexico for eight years, and there's a song we used to sing. It's called Toda la Noche Sin Parar. That means all of the night without stopping. Why not? You guys drove for hours, some of you came here for hours, not for just an hour of download, right? You came to be fed today, amen? Amen. Now, I don't speak Afrikaans. I knew lacquer, and I know buy a donkey, right? Is that, am I saying that right? Thank you, buy a, buy a donkey. Donkey, buy a donkey. That's even better. That makes me think that I'm not buying a donkey. For some of you that are farmers, how many farmers do we have here today? Oh, my Lord, everybody's a farmer. Do you have any donkeys? Does anybody have a donkey? You have a donkey? Fantastic. That's wonderful. Hey, I brought some stuff with me, and I'm not going to give an introduction to myself because Pickard does that so well for me, and uh, it's almost embarrassing because I know you love me. And I know this is a culture of honor. And uh, I'm just blessed to be here. It is. It's my anniversary. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. 
Eight, 18 years I've been married. I've never missed uh, an anniversary with my wife, but when I was praying about coming to this, um, the Lord put it deeply in my heart that I needed to be here. And there's, this is the reason why. <clears throat> because Pickard's a young man. He's a young man. And God is going to use him mightily and already is using him mightily. And he came through a school that I was a part of where I was speaking. And, and, and a lot of times, fathers in the faith, what, what we tend to do is we preach a lot and give a lot of information, but we're not very good with actually fathering. You hear what I'm saying? And so when he asked me to come, the first time I actually, something came up in the churches and I had to, I had to respond to that. But he was gracious to invite me back and I said, I can't miss this one. And I told my wife and she said, Scotty, she said, this is the Lord because this is your heart to father. Go. So I'm grateful to be here. Anyways, I got a couple gifts. How many like gifts? You like gifts? So this here is a movie. This is a movie. It's called This Is Living. It's a movie uh, with Todd White in it and myself and Dan Kalenda and Michael Culianos. But the film crew followed me and my family around uh, Guatemala for an entire week. And they watched how we cast out devils. They watched my uh, 10 and 11-year-old children casting out devils, and uh, it's awesome. When I'm doing crusades, my family's right there with me. My son, I remember one time before I go back into this, my son, I was preaching a crusade in a place called Jocotepec. It's in Mexico, and I gave an altar call. How many know what an altar call is? Okay, some of you shook your head no, and that's a good thing. Tonight, you're going to experience one. And I remember I gave an altar call, and basically it's an invitation to respond to the message, to invite Christ into your heart. And a lot of people don't know how to invite Christ into their hearts. And so we help that. We, we offer up a prayer, just pray this prayer with us. It's not a prayer that's found in the Bible. It's, it's, it's more or less a religious thing, to be honest with you, because the Bible said, if any man confess in his heart and believe, right, he'll be born again. Whosoever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so we invite people to come in prayer, prayer with us. And I remember my son was five years old. He's 14 now. And when I gave that invitation message, he ran to the front. Five-year-old boy ran to the front. And he stood there and I, well, maybe he's just doing this because I'm his daddy. So I worded it another way. And here went up this little hand, five-year-old. And I looked at him. I said, you want to give your life to Christ? Yes, Dad. From that moment on, my son, without any preparations, without any, any words from me or his mama on this, my son still to this day, he reads and prays every night. He goes to bed listening to house fires. It's another, it's another worship group. And... Uh, he goes out on the streets, he witnesses, and this is how we can raise our children in the Lord. Amen? We can do it. We can do it. And so you see on the back of this my whole family, my whole family, uh, my Latin American administrator, Brenda Benegas. You see some of the film crew of Chris Worthington. And one of my close friends is on the back here too, 
Matt Cook and, and another one, Caleb and his wife, Michelle, who are uh, pastors of the student body at IHOP with Mike, Mike Bickle. And so they were there with me that week as well. But who would like this? I want to give this away. Come on. Here, since you're close enough and you raise your hand too. There you go. And I have one more, and I'm, this is for someone in the back, but you got to come and get it. There you go. Yes, sir. It's awesome. Now, also, I've got some merch back uh, out there. And, and just so you know, um, I do. I, 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 I planted a, a woman's center back in 2010. I'll tell you real quick the story. I was uh, uh, preaching the gospel, doing crusades, still do. I'm a president of a theological seminary uh, in Guatemala. Last, two years ago, we sent out 110 new pastors. This last year, we sent out 64 new pastors into the mountains to, to plant new works. And I'm very involved in their lives, just so you know. Um, so after doing crusades in, in, in these things... Um, I was invited to a friend's ministry. It's called Villa de los Niños, Village of the Children. And when I was there, Christopher is his name. He came up and he put this baby in my arms. And I was holding this baby. And yeah, it's an, it's an orphanage, right? I mean, of course, there's going to be babies at an orphanage. But he put this baby in my arm. And he said this to me. He said, uh, Scotty, would you like to meet the... The mother. I said, absolutely. So he motioned to this girl that was sitting in front of a television over in the corner. And, <clears throat> and she came forward. And, and I'm wrestling in my mind, certainly, certainly this can't be the mother. Because as she was coming closer, I thought maybe this was an older sister. This was a young, young girl. She was actually 11 years old. And as she came forward, I met the mother, 11 years old. She was a victim of incest, molestation, rape. And in the mountains where I work, where there's a lot of uneducated people as well, there's a lot of rape and, and incest and a lot of things that go on that, that people don't even want to talk about. But how many know Jesus died for that too? He took everything upon himself. Everything upon himself. And I was holding that baby, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, Scotty, what are you going to do about it? I said, what do you mean, God? He said, what are you going to do about this problem? You see, it's not just good enough that we hear. It's not just good enough that we just preach the gospel. It's not just good enough that I would stand here and teach to you today. There has to be an impartation. There has to be a change. There has to be something that goes forward here forevermore. You didn't come to hear a good speaker. You came for, uh, uh, for a change in your spirit, a change in your life, a change that's going to happen in the economy, spiritually in your life, but also in the economy surrounding your life. This is what's going to take place today. And so we started in 2010. We started a, a woman's center. It began with two women, and now we have 24, between 24 and 35. Uh, I say that because some of them are volunteers and many of them are full-time staff. Um, we see between 300 and 500 clients a week of women, uh, young girls that have been in those situations. We're heavily involved in the rescuing efforts of human trafficking. 
because that place, Guatemala, is a corridor up to America, and I hate to say it, but America is the largest contributor to. My country needs Jesus too, friends. And, and so we started. And last year, I recently purchased a coffee farm. We're building safe homes on that property uh, as we speak. Hopefully by the end of the year, if we can raise enough money, I can build a safe home for only $7,000. One safe home that will house 10 girls. Isn't that incredible? And that will also bring jobs to that region as well for all the people working on that property. And so anyways, uh, we're in the process of doing that. And uh, um, it's just fantastic, friends. There's so much going on. But the sale of our merchandise goes directly to Guatemala. And so I have this wonderful shirt. This is a 2X. Who's a 2X in here? This is a world evangelism. Come on up here and get it, sir. Come on. This is a 2X. Come on. Come and get it. Whoever wants it. There you go. Fantastic. That's a 2X. I love giving stuff away. You know, isn't that wonderful? You want to hear a really cool story while I'm giving this away? I don't even know what size this is. I think Josh ripped out the tags. Let me see here. Anyways, it's a big one, I think. Let's see. What size is that? Does that look like a large? Is that a large? Who's a large in here? I would like this right here. There you go, sis. You're welcome. And here's another one, too. These are, these, oh, this one's got a tag. This is a GG. You know what a GG is? GG, it's grande grande, I guess. Maybe an extra large. I'm sorry, little honey, you're not an extra large. But if there's an extra large, come on over here, sir. Come get it. Amen. Amen. There you go. God bless you guys. Quick testimony before we get started. And I'm going to ask the piano player to stop because I will never preach if he keeps going. You know how it is. Yeah, yeah. If you keep playing that, man, I will never come out of the heavenlies. <clears throat> so this is my wife's and I's anniversary, 18 years. And you want to hear something really, really cool? Is that this weekend, this weekend, as, as it was a sacrifice, it really was, to come here, to be away from my wife, this weekend, somebody gave me a diamond ring to give to my wife. Isn't that amazing? I just love how God does those things. Absolutely phenomenal. Well, praise the Lord. I've got some things that I want to share with you. Um, yep, here's my bag. Oh, man, I'm just going to... I feel like the Lord just wants me to do some schooling with you. Is that all right? All right, we're going to do some teaching, and then we're going to demonstrate. I want you to hear something. This was, uh, this was a word God gave to me. I heard that there was a struggle with rain. That's something I didn't know. 
that you guys are, you need some rain around here, huh? Yeah? Huh? Ah, really? Well, today we have a unified house. Let the rain come down. Yes. So I was in Pakistan, and uh, uh, is there many of you or any of you that have traveled to Pakistan before? No one. Ah, there's a little man in the back. He raised his hand. You've been to Pakistan. I was in Pakistan, and uh, I preached the gospel about 30 minutes away from where they took down Osama bin Laden in the same month where the drones were dropping the bombs, and it was a very difficult time at, at that time. And, uh, and what was interesting was before I went, God gave me a detailed word, actually four pages of words, but I want to focus on just one part for you. And I asked the Lord here, what about Pakistan? And this is what he said. And I'm going somewhere with this. As I shared with you before, I have caused my favor in you to go and tear down spiritual breaches that resided since time began on the earth. Now remember, Ephesians chapter 2, we, we are seated in heavenly places and there's things prepared in advance for us to do. He said, you are to take two, and I will choose, and you will be equipped. Now, here's, here's the spiritual warfare behind this. You will be equipped with a javelin that I will have you launch into the depths of Bezmeth's heart. Now, you say, what are you talking about? Bezmeth was a principality that the Lord actually showed me over that region. And so he says, upon that time of the harvest... Fire-filled soldiers will come forth. Hear me, son. There will be opposition, but rest assured you will return without delay, for the time of twelve is upon them, and I am fueling the plane. You are to go March 6th. Now, this was, this was back in 2012, I believe it was, and March 6th was the actual day that I left for Pakistan. Expenses paid and everything. Father, assure me of your power being on me, was my prayer, and souls being one for you. And the Lord said emphatically, Scott, my power is your blanket. You have not been divided upon equal, for when I chose you, I set you as a blaze with four stars and a trumpet and a rod that is why earthquakes follow you are my son in demonstration of who I am is on and in and surrounding you. Confide in this. I hear you and answer you as my boy. These are the good gifts I have chosen for you. The place is Asbola. Remember what I told you? I preached the gospel in Asbola, which was 30 minutes away from where they shot Osama bin Laden. Three times two equals six. Six times in six places you will be called upon to release untold supernatural power. The dead will rise. Be assured of this. One man will see this, and he will be my future ambassador that will turn golden keys for you, for me in that country, for you in that country as well. Now prepare to go. I love you, Daddy. When I was there, and I, I say that to you uh, for several reasons. Because today you're going to see some prophetic demonstrations. But uh, 
When I was in Pakistan during that time, um, I went to a place that was uh, called Sialkot. Have you ever heard of Sialkot? Sialkot, Pakistan, it used to be India. And India was one country, but there was a lot of Muslims and a lot of Hindus, and there still are. And what they did was, it was under British influence. And so when the Brits pulled back from, from, from India, they wanted to, before they, would, before they pulled back, they separated India into two countries. They put the Muslims on one side, which was called Pakistan, and then they kept the, the Hindus on the other side, which was India. During the 1700s, there was a man by the name of John Praying Hyde, the apostle of prayer. If you've never heard of him, you might want to look him up. He's got a book. Uh, there, there's a book written about him called The Praying uh, uh, the Apostle of Prayer. And John Prane Hyde was in Sialkot, and he never could even speak the language, which was tele, te, uh, Telugu. It's an incredible language. It's very, very clicky and all kinds of weird stuff that goes on in there. But it's, it's, it's for instance, if I was to say to you, hello, how are you? Or it would be Wandanalu. It's an interesting, interesting language. Um, and so I was there at Sialkot, and uh, uh, the Lord spoke to me that he was bringing me to the place of John Hyde. Well, in that place of John Hyde, there was, there's where for years that he was praying and praying and praying and praying and praying. There's an actual place that he wore holes into the concrete from his knees. It's amazing. In the time of those, those conventions, he didn't even speak the language and they would bring into the room where he was ministering. This is so important that we minister before the Lord. It doesn't matter what's going on around us. It doesn't matter about the language, if we can understand it or not. We minister before the Lord because your ministry will bring deliverance to everybody around you. And so the people, were bring, they were bringing in the demonic oppressed. Man, I feel the glory of God. That's why I'm squinting, guys. They, they, they would bring in the demonic oppressed into that room. And all he was was cultivating a place of intimacy with Jesus. And how many know that where the glory is, sin cannot be? Amen. Where the glory is, when the holiness of God comes upon that sacrifice, demons have no choice but to flee. Amen. And people were getting delivered by the droves as he was just with Jesus, worshiping with Jesus. In his tongue of, of Scottish. That's all it was. Incredible. And so when I went to that place, remember the Lord told me three times two equals six. Six times, six times you will feel the ground shake. And I put my knees in those, those, those places of prayer where he was at. And all of a sudden the cell phone started to ring on the outside. And the men walked to the door. They were afraid to come in. In the room where I was worshiping Jesus, I just, I wanted to be where this man of God changed a nation. I wanted to, I just wanted to experience for a moment. It didn't matter if anything really ever happened to me. I wanted to be in that place because it was, it was significant for me to just believe just for a little bit that I could receive something. It's very important, friends. And so what took place was, when I put my knees in that place, all of a sudden an earthquake hit Sialkot. 
And from that moment on, earthquakes started happening six times that week. And it's the only time that it was ever felt all the way over to Dubai, and they evacuated the, the world's tallest, the Burj, the Burj, whatever it is. They evacuated it. And one of my friends was in that tower that day they evacuated it. I say that to say this, is that if you believe, you will see the glory of God. There is, there is a demonstration that God wants to do through you, if you believe. When I was up that last night, and I was speaking at a pastor's convention there, it was incredible because the place was packed. It was, it was so full. And I delivered this message that God gave me for the, the, the Pakistani people. And at the end of it, he said this. He says, the sign of this will be that waters will fall on your city. They were in the worst drought that they had ever been in. And waters will fall from the heavens on you. And you will have to beg me, beg me to, re- to pull back the waters. I was like, wow, this is incredible. And I, I gave that word too, and half the people started laughing at me. I didn't care. I was just being obedient. And as people were laughing, there was those that were rejoicing kind of half and half, right? <laughs> and there was those that were rejoicing. And all of a sudden, crack, crack, pow, the water started to fall. The rain came from the sky. About a month later, you can Google this stuff, friends. About a month later, I even got a phone call from the Pakistani people saying, please ask God to put his hand back over the clouds because Silkat is underwater. It was incredible. Friends, there is signs and wonders that will follow those of us who believe. Somebody say amen. Amen. I want you to open your Bibles. I'm still debating what to preach on. I really am. I've heard a couple things that were fantastic. I couldn't understand a thing Daru was speaking about. And I didn't want to come back in because I didn't want him to speak in English. I wanted him to speak in Afrikaans. So I was sitting out there having a wonderful discussion about hunting. I want you to open your Bibles to John with me. How much time do I have? You guys tell me, how much time do I have? You don't want to tell me that. Okay, my friend. Then we're not going to go to John yet. We'll go to John last. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Father, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over everything in this room. Amen. Father, you brought these people here, Lord God, to sit at your feet. And Father God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the authority you've given. Lord God, I take authority over every spirit that is unclean. I take authority over every demonic 
force that would be here today. Lord, I take authority over unbelief. I take authority, Lord God, over complacency and lack. Take authority over it now in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for the open heavens. I thank you for the open heavens over us in Jesus' mighty name. So, Father, anoint my words this very day. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to start in chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians. I get to the privilege of traveling the world. It's, it's, it's a privilege, but yet it's a burden. Let me tell you that, okay? Some people want to travel all the time. I've been doing it for almost 20 years now. It's not fun. It's wonderful meeting people. It's wonderful the call. It's wonderful preaching the gospel. It's wonderful all of the benefits of that, but it gets tiresome on your body. I'm 42 years old, and look at all the gray hair I have. It wears you out, sitting and sleeping on planes and, and sleeping in beds that aren't your own. You know, several years ago, two years ago, I traveled 190 days out of the year. It was difficult. It was a difficult time. And trust me, I don't go anywhere unless God tells me to go. That's the most important thing. And so my body, though, because I'm not the best eater... I love to eat all the meats. I love it. That's, I mean, South Africa, it, is, it might be up there with Brazil for me. Is he eating meat right now? Wow, it's incredible. Normal people chew gum. You just eat meat on the front row. That's awesome. South Africa, right? It's fantastic. When the guys in the States told me, they said, man, there's lots of beef jerky there. I had no idea that everybody eats beef jerky. But I get to travel around, and the, the, the thing about this is this, and I want you to hear this closely, because I'm, I'm going to try to slow my message down a little bit just so you can follow me and understand me. I've got a unique sound. I'm, I'm, I'm a northerner, but I married a southerner, and so I've got kind of this blend of north and south in my, my language. People in the north ask me if I'm from the south, and people in the south know that I'm a northerner. It's pretty interesting. Pero yo también puedo hablar en español. I can preach and teach in Spanish as well. It's important. I can also preach and teach in Quechí. Quechí is the original Mayan language. For example, if I was to say, hello, how are you, my friends? I would say, hola, ¿cómo están? That's Spanish. No. Chan chanquil lincomol masalashol. So that's the Indian language, the indigenous language of the Mayas. You've heard of the Mayas, right? Yeah, I work with them. But as I travel around the world, it's interesting because I get, to, I get to see things for what they really are. How do I know you, brother? Do I, over there, the, yeah, you have no hair. You. How do I know you? Have we met before? Okay. I, 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 I feel God stirring something in my heart for you. Okay? So I just feel like there's something familiar there, and so we'll go back to that. But uh, uh, the same thing is it's happening all over the world. You have, you have churches that are divided. You have uh, the people that want to demonstrate the power of God. You have, you have homes that are, that are broken. You have all kinds of things that are taking place. And, and, and one of the main issues is, is 
is that the church is not, and I'm saying this, and I'm hoping there's leaders here today, but the church is not walking in the demonstration or walking in the life that's already been given to them. Are you following what I'm saying? It's interesting that wherever you go, no matter who you're talking to, no matter what church you're a part of, there's something that's there that's keeping them out of full relationship with one another and full relationship with God. We have to understand this is that when the Holy Spirit poured himself out, it, was, it wasn't for the unification of the church. It was the unification of the saints. Let me say that again. It wasn't for the unification of the church. It was the unification of the saints. Okay? And I say that because we are the church. All of us here are the church. It wasn't so that a building on a corner could work very close with the other building in the other corner. It's so that the saints would work together. Amen? And so I think there's something very important here, and I'm, and I'm bringing this forward today, and I want to talk about this today, even though it's a very difficult conversation. And at any moment during this conversation, you can raise your hand and say, can you repeat that? Because I don't know what you're talking about. You have that liberty with me, okay? But this is the conversation is, is, is why... Is the church not living its full potential? Why are the saints? Why are the saints not living their full potential? Is there something there that might be inhibiting them from actually fulfilling what God has put in their lives to do? I believe yes. I believe when I look around this room, if I had 100 people, 100 people that were sold out for Jesus. 100 people that gave their lives and gave everything for Jesus. We could change the world. But where can you find 100 people that think the same, act the same, walk the same, believe the same, and live life the same? Where does this happen but other in heaven? Too long have we succumbed to the pressures and the powers of the air. And I'm going to switch back and forth between what is apostolic and what is prophetic today. And I pray by the Spirit of God, you will understand what I'm saying. Because there's a greater glory. There's a glory that we have to grab a hold of. A glory that was understood in the New Testament church. A glory that goes down to the foundations of Christianity. Something that we've overlooked Something that we've pushed aside and we've glorified gifts and anointing instead of the personhood of Jesus. You say, wow. I came here today for a demonstration. You're going to get a demonstration. You will. But I'm going to teach you about Jesus first. Paul says here in chapter 3, look at it with me. If you have cell phones, get them out. Bible apps, get them out. Please, everybody, open up a Bible. <clears throat> Paul says this. He says, but I, brothers. Now, we know the title of this. It's Divisions in the Church, right? He said, but I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people. Now, first of all, we need to understand that he's speaking to brothers and sisters in Christ. 
He's talking to people that are a part of the family, and they're not part of the world. They have given their lives over to Christ. They're, they're confessing Christ. But what's also interesting here is that we have to understand who the Corinthians actually are. The Corinthians were people where they were having so much prophetic giftings flowing that Paul had to bring order to it. Did you hear what I said? They were having so much free worship, he had to bring order to worship. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? They had so many talents going, so much gifting, so much anointing, so much power, their renown was throughout all of, the, all of that part of the world. It was incredible. It was absolutely amazing the level of power and anointing that was flowing through their lives, but Paul could not address them as brothers. He says, I cannot address you as brothers. Listen to this. I couldn't address you even as spiritual people, but I had to come to you as people of the flesh. This is extremely important. You say, why are you talking to me about this today? I'm not somebody of the flesh. Friends, if you just said that, you're a person of the flesh. Because all of us in this room deal with a level, level or measure of the flesh. And none of us in this room, to my knowledge yet, is shadow is raising the dead. Let me see your hand if you're in here and that's happening. All right. Thank you for your honesty. I'd have to change my message if you had your hands raised. Just kidding. He said, but I do not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ Jesus. How is this possible? How is this possible that they have... So many prophetic people in their midst. They have so much worship. They have so much of the emotional elements of God in their midst, but yet they don't have something that can even, that can even identify them as a brother or a sister in the Lord. It's possible to carry the gifts it's possible to have talent. It's possible to be an amazing preacher and not know Jesus. It's possible to be an amazing person that people look to and has a thousand hundred million, if that's even a word or a number, social media people. And guess what? You don't even act or smell like a Christian. It's possible. And that's a sad place, but it's a wake-up call to the church. It's a wake-up call to the church that wants to idolize fame and wants to idolize people that are great people, and we call it honor, but we don't see Jesus in their lives. We've got to change our perspective if we're going to see what is authentic actually manifest in the present. He says here, verse 2, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it, and even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy 
and strife among you. Are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a humanly way? Wow. Did you know, friends, that your level of living will determine the level of revelation that comes to your ears? Did you know that? Right here, Paul wanted to address them as spiritual people, but he could not. It was their level of living, the place that they chose to live in, where they were envious, and they wouldn't, didn't mind talking about brothers and sisters, and they probably were jealous, and they dealt with anger and things that actually is rooted in human wisdom. When the Bible says whatever is noble, whatever is pure, whatever is right, think on these things. When the Bible says that we are to give honor, we are to love, love keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not put a time frame on the record of wrongs and then says you've wronged me this long and now I can't love you anymore. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. But it was their level of living that determined the level of revelation that came to their ears. I believe that there is so much that God wants to say to us. So much that he wants to, he wants to do through us. There's so much of himself he wants to share with us. If we would just raise up our level of living. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. If we would start walking in the righteousness he gave to us, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He provided this for us. But yet, we're happy and living in lesser places. Let me show this to you real quick. You say, what was the revelation that Paul wanted to bring? It's right there. It's in chapter 1 and chapter 2, and I want to show it to you. Look at verse 26 with me. He says this, For consider your calling, brothers, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. Now I want you to hear this. Because many of us, when we read these things, we think only of ourselves. You say, what are you talking about? Yeah, maybe you have a history of drugs. Maybe you have a history of alcohol. Maybe you have a history of just being a, a, a womanizer or, or whatever your history is of being a good person, but you didn't know Jesus. That's equally as bad, right? It's the same thing. Maybe you have a history. And many of us, when we read this, we think, oh, well, I was the foolish in the world and God saved me to confound the wise. And that's true to a certain extent, and I'm going to show you why. 
Because there's actually things here that God gave, that God gave to confound the wisdom of the world. Read it with me here, verse 28. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring nothing things that are, so that no human being may boast in the presence of God. This is extremely important. We have to understand that the things he gave did not originate with mankind. They didn't come from man. They didn't come from you. If they came from you, you would boast before God, I did this. But what he did here was that he changed the course of history. He took the lowliest things and he made it profound. And yes, you are in that. But something even greater than that is Jesus Christ is in this. And I'm going to show you why. And this is what Paul was trying to teach them, but they couldn't understand it. And so he had to go back to basic elementary teachings. Hebrews chapter 5 and Hebrews chapter 6 says this. Things that kept leading to repentance. He had to teach those things again. He had to set order to things again. He had to go down that road, which, which is not a bad thing, but it's not for seasoned believers. It's not for people that have been serving the Lord for a long time. Let me see a show of hands. How many have been serving the Lord for 30, 40 years in here? Raise your hands real high. We got 30, 40 years in this place. How many have been serving the Lord? Keep your hands up. How many have been serving the Lord for 20 years or more? Raise your hands in this place. Keep them real high. Raise them real high. Thank you, thank you. How many have been serving the Lord for 10 years or more in this place? Look at the hands going up all across this place. How many have been serving the Lord for five years or more in this place? Five years or more. How many have been serving the Lord for two years or more in this place? Two years or more. How many have been serving the Lord for one year or more in this place? One year. One year or less. One person. Welcome to the family. This is extremely important for us to understand. Now look at this with me. He says in verse 30, he says, and because of him, you are in Christ Jesus. I want you to meditate on that for a moment. Because of him, you are in Christ Jesus. Just say that to the Lord. Say, because of you, Father, I am in Christ Jesus. Because of you, Father, I am in Christ Jesus. I am not in Christ Jesus because of myself. Guess what? When I turned my life over to Christ, it wasn't just because it was that day that I decided to follow Christ. No, it was that day that the Lord was standing face to face with me and he yanked my heart. It's the truth. Now look at this with me. He says in verse 30, And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us the wisdom from God. Now listen to me. I'm giving you the portion of scripture that Paul wanted to give to the Corinthians, but he could not give to the Corinthians because their understanding was at a lesser place because of the way that they were living. And this portion here is what he explained to them, or he spoke about, and it went like this, right over their heads. 
They couldn't grasp it. They couldn't grab a hold of it because they were emotional. They were caught up in their gifts and talents, which I love gifts and talents, friends. I love miracles. They're part of God. I love them. But friends, I don't follow Jesus for gifts and miracles. I don't follow him for signs and wonders. I believe and they follow me. They were getting the reversal. They had forgot about Jesus. And they were resting in their talents. They were resting in the things that were given to them. And they were residing on yesterday's anointing instead of fresh bread, new oil, new wine, day after day after day, where His mercies are new every morning. This is what God desires for us. And He says this. He says in verse 30, And because of Him you are in Christ Jesus who became to us the wisdom from God. Say that with me. The wisdom from God. Jesus Christ was wisdom sent from God. Remember, up until this point, God the Father was was in the heavenlies, right? What did Jesus look like? Does anybody know what Jesus looked like at that time? At that point in time, before Jesus came to the earth... The Bible says that he was a lamb and had seven horns on his head. Wow, you remember that? Yeah. He was a lamb that stepped out, had seven horns on his head. The seven spirits of God walking in the heavenlies. Imagine him now. Don't see him as the Anglo-Saxon picture where it has Jesus in a halo over his head. See him as divine truth. See him as the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of power, the spirit of might, the spirit of God. See him as those spirits sent from God to bring what was from heaven to earth to the lowliest place that even his own people didn't recognize him. But what came from God? Who is Jesus? Who is he? He's not just the Savior of the world, but look at it with me right here. It says, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. He said, what? He became for us righteousness. He became for us sanctification. He became for us redemption. We were, we were profane. We were unholy. There was nothing good about us. The Bible says our righteousness was but filthy rags. There was nothing there desirable. But God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. What does righteousness actually mean? Right standing, alignment. This is what it means. It means to take what was set apart because of a fall, basically. To take what was apart, it it, it wasn't even alignment. There was nothing right about us. And he takes us and he makes us right before God. You see, we got to remember something. We got to remember that God is Holy. God is holy. 
God could not understand sin, nor did he want to back then. He had an appointed time to where he would understand sin through his son Jesus, who became sin for us and represents us before God. But God was holy. You hear it in Jeremiah, where the Lord is crying out, and he's saying these things. I'm your father. I led you through the desert. I gave you a pillar of cloud, a fire. I opened up the seas for you. I provided manna. I gave you amazing things. Why don't you just come to me? He's all over Jeremiah crying this out. God couldn't understand this. Because he's holy. As a matter of fact, when the prophet had a vision and he went to heaven, he saw a great expanse. In between him and one who looked like God on the throne. It was a figure off in the distance, but he couldn't get close enough. Friends, we can get close now because of the blood of Jesus. And so Jesus, he's sent from God. As a matter of fact, the seven spirits of God are sent from God into Mary, and righteousness is one of those manifestations. Redemption. What does redemption mean? What does redemption mean? It means that we've been redeemed. We've been set apart. This is amazing. Take a drug addict. Take an alcoholic. Take somebody that was in that place, and now they're up here leading worship, set apart for a purpose. They've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Shout hallelujah. Jesus brought redemption. He brought righteousness. He brought sanctification. And what is sanctification? It means to be set apart and make what was unholy, holy. It means to make you as a saint before God. Friends, we are not sinners saved by grace. We are now saints of God. I'm going to say that one more time. We're not sinners saved by grace. Friends, when God looks at me now, I'm not a sinner. I will not identify with a sinner. Do I make mistakes at times? Absolutely. But God brought redemption. He brought sanctification. And he made me right in his sight. And he set me apart. He sanctified me. Hallelujah. So the Bible says this. He says, and because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God. If anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask. How do we ask? Whatsoever you ask for in my name, believing you have received. We ask in the name of Jesus, who is wisdom from God. Amen. Amen. And he says this, so that it is written, no one can boast because it's the Lord's. That's the first thing the Corinthians forgot. They forgot the three most important things that Jesus represented here on earth. Righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Without those three things, we're nothing. We have nothing. That is the foundation of all Christianity. For those of you here today, my friend, 
that's been saved for only a year. Friends, you, you, you guess what? You just heard something that most people that have been saved for 20 years have never heard. That's the foundation of Christianity. And then he says this in 2, 1. He said, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God. You say, what? Here we have the testimony from God, and we have the testimony of God. Extremely important for us to understand, because Paul is bringing a reference to his demonstration of the power that was backed up by his preaching and teaching of Jesus alone. He says this, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come to you, proclaim it to you, the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. I want you to turn with me to Acts 20, 27. Look at that with me. What is the testimony of God that Paul could have preached? It says here in verse 27. Acts 20. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. The whole counsel of God. You see, we could go into what the counsel of God is. We could go into the time frames of the Lord. We could go into that, if you want me to for a moment, you guys want me to talk about it just briefly? Did you know that the Bible says in the beginning, that actual word there, in the beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning is a backward C in Hebrew. It's a backward C. And what does that mean? That means this, is that on the timeline of God, as God was going, man sinned and came down to this sub-level, this sub-level interest, if you will, this, this, this place that brought them off of the timeline of God. And so, so, so man sinned and came down here. And what that backward C is that in him, through him, and to him all exists. So God had to enact his, his redemption sanctification, and righteousness plan, and that comes back like this and brings you back in the timeline of God. That is crazy. Because when you think about this, where in the scriptures, now I'm talking to you about the counsel of God now, not even the wisdom from God. But when you think about this, where is another place in the scripture where the Bible talks about in the beginning. John 1. In the beginning was what? The Word. And the Word was with God. Now listen to this. A man by the name of John, who was also known as the Beloved, who did not care about his name, but only wanted to be known as the Beloved, even though he had every right to call himself whatever he wanted to, he took in Mary, the mother of Jesus. His name is written in the foundation walls of Jerusalem. He's written five books of the New Testament. John was an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. He sits enthroned on one of the 12 chairs in heaven next to Christ. He is an amazing man, but yet he calls himself the Beloved. Now hear this. I'm talking to you now, the counsel of God in the beginning. 
Because John never saw himself as an entitled person. He didn't. He never Facebooked or Socialgrammed. He never did any of this stuff and broadcasted to the world. Hey, guess what, guys? I took and married the mother of Jesus. He didn't do that. He didn't take any little videos and actually, actually act like he was false humble about it. He didn't even talk about it. He didn't do it. And therefore, he only wanted to be known as the beloved of Christ. And therefore, God, in that love, took him to a place that transcended understanding and transcended time. That love that, has, that goes beyond any wisdom, any humanly knowledge, and brought him into a place that he was face-to-face with God. How did he know in the beginning was the word? <coughs> Other than a revelation from God. The only other person, bless you, my friend, the only other person up to that point who was face to face with God was who? Moses, a friend of God. Right? So here we have John who is face to face with God. This is the counsel of God that I'm talking to you about now. And that word there, look at it with me. In the beginning was the word. We know that word there in Greek is what? Logos. It's logos. But logos is actually taken from, in Aramaic, a community of words. Do you want to hear it? You see, friends, many want the prophetic, but they don't want to know all the propheticness of the Bible because that's the fountain right there. It's the fountain. The same way Jesus was the rock, God was the fountain, and the Holy Spirit was the water that came forth in the Old Testament. You see, I told you I'm going to speak apostolically and prophetically to you. So that community of words, in the beginning was the word, the logos, came from three words in Aramaic, which means the message, the blueprint, and the manifestation. In the beginning was the message. In the beginning was the manifestation. In the beginning was the blueprint. Jesus is the message. Jesus is our blueprint. Jesus is the manifestation of God. Should I go forward? If you need to know the plans of your life, you go to Jesus because he has the blueprint for it. If you need a word from heaven, if you need a word from God, you, know to, you need to go to him because he's the message. If you need to understand or see the acts of God played out, go through Jesus Christ because he's the manifestation of God. He's all of this. And that's just in one sentence. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the word. How powerful is that? How wonderful. The counsel of God. He says here, verse 3, And I was with you in weakness, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I was with you in weakness, and in fear and much trembling. And my speech 
and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstrations of the Spirit and of power. We already heard. How is that possible? How did you see? How did they see demonstrations of the Spirit and power? It's because Jesus, or because Paul was bringing to them the message from God. He was preaching Jesus. Righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. You see, friends, many people ask, how come you see so many miracles in evangelistic campaigns? Because evangelistic campaigns are focused on righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Do you see it? It's right there. Then he says this, verse 5, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You see, friends, we're just getting started. Are you ready? Look at verse 6 with me. He says, yet among, now this is the wisdom of the Spirit, yet among the mature, so we have the wisdom from God, the wisdom of God, and the wisdom of the Spirit. He says, yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Now I want to ask today, how many of you want the wisdom of the Spirit? I want you to put your hand over your heart right now. Because this is what Paul was trying to get through to the people. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to say this. Holy Spirit, I need your wisdom. Speak to me. Change me. I love Jesus. I love the Father. Now, Lord... Forgive me for any jealousy, any envy, any slander, any humanly wisdom that has kept me from seeing your realities and the purposes you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I want you to look at verse 6 with me. Is this okay? You guys still with me? Is it too much? Are we good? Some said, yeah, I'm going to have to get the DVD. We're recording. We're recording. They're just like $1,000 each. That's all. I'm just kidding. Totally joking. Verse 6 says this. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Although it is not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of the sage. Now let me say this to you. Extremely important for us to understand. The Bible talks about these appointed times. It talks about that we are the generation right now. We're the generation that the prophets and even angels long to look, they long to understand the days we're living in right now. This is extremely important for us. People are getting saved left and right. We're seeing more demonstration of the Spirit's power. We're seeing more people come to Christ. We're seeing churches grow. One of my friend's churches 
in, in, in Florida was just recognized as one of the fastest growing churches in the world. Absolutely amazing things are happening. God is pouring out himself in incredible ways. I've been invited into Baptist churches. How many Baptists do we have here today? Any Baptist? How about Nazarene? Any Nazarenes here? First Church of the Nazarene? I was invi- I've been invited into Baptist churches, and you know many Baptist churches believe that the gifts, the gifts of the Spirit uh, stopped in 70 A.D. with the last apostles. That's called cessationalism. They believe that those gifts stopped back then. And so they've been inviting me in because they've been seeing things and hearing things, and I've been seeing the power of God fall on hundreds of them. I was just recently in Brazil speaking at the First Baptist Church, and I saw the Holy Spirit fall on 2,000 people that had been following Christ Jesus but had never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I've got a video of it. It's phenomenal. I was in Pakistan speaking to, to, to Muslims. I led them in the road of redemption. I preached to them Jesus Christ, demonstrated Jesus Christ to them. They, were, they got saved. They were, they, they were coming into an understanding. And on that third day of the crusade, we prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit to fall. 16,000 ex-Muslims that had given their life to Christ started dancing and screaming and shouting and speaking in other languages that my bodyguards, I had to have bodyguards, the, the government told me to, they grabbed me and threw me to the back of the stage because they were afraid this was something crazy. And I said, no, this is that what the prophet Joel spoke of. These are the days we're living in. This is that, my friends. It's absolutely amazing. What God is doing. But the way that we live can keep us out of that demonstration or that revelation that Christ wants to bring to your mind, your ears, and your hearts. Jesus. He says here, <clears throat> verse 6, Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age. Or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. Now, let me say this there's a secret, hidden wisdom of God. Now, I want you to hear this. The secret hidden wisdom of God is the appointment and the calling of individuals that God has set apart for certain times in certain seasons to live and express elements in His glory in the moments. It says right here, this is what the Corinthians weren't understanding. He says this, but we impart a secret in hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. Before the ages even began, God decreed over you that there would be glory on your life. This is what Paul wanted to speak to them. John 17 talks about this. Jesus prayed these things. 
He said, God, the glory you've given to me, I give to them. What does that word glory actually mean? In Greek, it says doxa. But that word doxa is this, the acts and nature and manifestation of God himself made manifest. Did you hear what I just said? The glory in John 17, in the glory spoken of right there, is God decreed before the foundations of the world began, before the ages even began, that you would be carriers of his divine self, his acts and his nature, his power of himself in your life. And why is this so important? Friends, if you get anything in your spirit today, get this in your spirit. This is extremely important because the Bible says in the next verse, look at this. He said, none of the rulers of this age understood it. Now Paul is speaking to the rulers and the powers and places present to, that are happening right there in that day. He says this, none of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Why is that important? Listen to me, friends. Carefully. If they would have understood this, they would have never killed Jesus. They would have let Jesus grow old, get a big beard, grow fat and die. It's the truth. Paul says it right here. He said if the rulers of the age would have understood this, they would have never crucified him. Why? Because he was one man tabernacling the Holy Ghost. And when he gave up the Holy Spirit, Father, I commit my spirit to you. Even the one that crucified him cried out, surely is the Son of God. What was inside of him now went out throughout the earth and his whole purpose, the Holy Spirit, was to go out in the earth and make his way into men's hearts. And Jesus was one, the first among many brothers. If they would have known this, Jesus was... The demonstration, he only did what he saw his father doing and said what he heard his father saying. And God said, if you've seen, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. That's the truth. But now, the grace that covers sins, the life that gives us new life, the redemption we've been provided, the sanctification of making us holy, the righteousness now we're clothed in, where the enemy would tempt us on the outside, God put his spirit within us and what God brings together, no man can separate. And what Jesus did was he affected that region of the earth. But since those days, the glory of God has carried men throughout all the earth. And there are more disciples today than there were then. And if they would have known this, that this was the plan to put God on the inside of men, they wouldn't have done it. Because the very next verse says this, what no eye has seen, 
what no ear has heard. What does it say? What's that? And which have not entered the heart of man. And what has not entered the heart of man? What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined, imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. And now you see the divine connection of how we can live out the things prepared in advance for us to do. Friends, listen to me carefully. For some of you, you say, wow, this is, this is too much. Friends, I ask the question, is it too much? Or are we living in lesser glory? Because what has been written has been written for us to experience and to live walk out and take dominion over that which belongs to the Lord what he gave to us that's why I speak to the clouds if there's rain that needs to happen let it fall in Jesus name and friends back then Jesus was one and one could put a thousand to flight but how many disciples do we have in here today? Raise your hands to Jesus. Look around, friends. Look around. Raise your hands. Raise them proud. Look around. Could you imagine now what Paul was looking at when he says, I could not address you as spiritual people. You weren't ready. You were people of the flesh. There was jealousy and strife among you. You're acting in a human way. If we choose to live the Jesus way, to use Him as an example, to walk according to the Spirit, we won't just be making disciples anymore. We'll actually take over lands. We'll take over cities. We could see South Africa saved. We could see it. We could see a Johannesburg take all the racial tension that's there. Even what I felt when I came off the plane, I'm like, wow, it's here. The oppression. We could see it dissolved because the church wouldn't just be putting one to flight or one little mama over here or one little dad over here, but we'd be unified together, sending out powerful laser beams all throughout the earth. He says these things in verse 10. God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except the spirit of that person which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Did you hear that? You can't approach God with human logic and human wisdom. You can't even work your way in a humanly wisdom way 
to gain his favor. He says this right here. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. That we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. Interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. For they are folly to him. And he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. How beautiful is this? How beautiful is this? You see, I believe... I, 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 I love training people in the prophetic. I love it. I have a time on my back porch. I've got a beautiful room. It looks like a cabin. And uh, it's one of my favorite things to do. I love preaching the gospel, but I love seeing the light bulbs go off in people's hearts and minds when their eyes are like, I get it. I love that. It's special to me. Every Thursday night on my back porch, I take young people, and, and, and the reason I say young people, I'm talking like up to about 30 years old. No offense, 30 and older. <laughs> Hear me. The reason I do this is because, you ready for this? Is because when you bring someone in that's 30 and older, a lot of times that has, has history with God, they tend to dominate the conversation. And they want to use all their experiences to try to teach the people instead of letting the people grow from an inward revelation out. That's what happens. So that's why I have a 30 and under policy. People come from all over the world. I've got friends that are come from Brazil. Uh, once they come, they're like, okay, I have to stay. Can we figure this out? So I actually have a business manager that's whole purpose is to, to work with people that are coming from other countries and get them visas and all kinds of things. It's, it's phenomenal. And so, but how many of you in this room, let me ask a question, have been told you're an evangelist? Raise your hands if you've been told you're an evangelist. Okay. How many have been told you're a pastor? One. Two. How many have been told that you're a teacher? How many have been told that you're an apostle? Okay. How many been told you're a prophet? Okay. Now, the reason I do what I do is this, is because many people have been told that they're these things. And they don't even realize who they really are. They're living under the assumptions or things that have been put on them by other spiritual people. And so I, I recognize something is that a lot of times you, you might say, how many of you are evangelists? And, and then I say, how many people have you won to the Lord? And they're like, well, I don't, I don't really want people to the Lord, you know? And then, and then you say, you know, you know I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, who's, how many are pastors? And they might raise their hands, and I'm saying, who are you pastoring? You know? And then I say, teachers, well, who are you teaching? And, and, and the reality of it is this, and it's not to condemn anyone. I, trust me, it's not that. 
It's just that I start to lead these people by questions and conversations and the word so that when, they, when they're giving their answers in an environment that is healthy, safe, nobody is going to laugh at their answers, <clears throat> I get to see their growth. And they'll find out from, from God revealing to them how they read the scripture, how they speak and confess, not what, other somebody, what somebody has told them they are, but their answers become more pastoral. Their answers become more like teachers. You know, you get around apostolic men, you can, you can guarantee that their minds are thinking these things right here. How to restore people back to original origin and intent. Did you hear what I just said? Restoring people and places back to original origin and intent. That's how apostolic minds think. And so you get to hear these things come out. And as they're coming forward, they might come to me and say this, you know what, I've been told I'm an evangelist my whole life, but I really just, I really feel like I just want to just teach, teach new believers or I want to just, I, I want to just teach in the church and I just, I feel more comfortable. There it is, my friend. There it is. Now let's place you, let's help you in that place. Friends, listen to me. There are things prepared in advance for you to do. But most times, it's not the things that the someone on your left and right tell you to do. Did, did you just catch what I said? Most times, it's not. I've learned it. That's a prophetic key to actually ministering to people, too. I want you now to turn with me. Turn with me to John 3. Am I still doing good, Oats Pickard? Was that okay? Is that good? Did you guys get something out of that? Amen. I want you to turn with me to John 3. And I love when the children come in. We got one up here that looks like a cheetah or something. Is that what you are, a cheetah? No? You're a lion? Uh-huh. Aren't you the young man that was, was wanting to give Pickard a candy bar this morning? Yeah. yeah. You look different with that on your face. <laughs> John chapter 3. And I'm going to demonstrate this, and then we're going to do some things here. I want us to look at John chapter 3.16. John 3.16, and if I was to ask us, who could quote this? We could probably all do it together. Do it in Afrikaans. Can you do it in Afrikaans for me? Here, wait for everybody else. Everybody, everybody do it together. Here, stand up and lead them in, in it. Just everybody, just stand up. I don't really know the Afrikaans version. Okay. Go for what I have. English, He's American. <laughs> but that's what it is. That's awesome. Thank you. Now, I want us to look at this scripture. I want us to look at this very carefully. And, and remember, you guys gave me the liberty to, to do these things, right? But it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him 
should not perish but have eternal life. Extremely important scripture. Wouldn't you say? What is it talking about? Here, let me, yeah, say it. But what else? Uh, the sun. The sun. Yeah. Tell us about it. What do you want now? Everything you know. God gave his only son, mm-hmm. and because of that, we are who we are. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for that, we, we, we wouldn't. Uh, if, if God had to look upon us without the blood of Jesus, we would have been dead. Mm. Yes. That's good. That's a good interpretation. Anybody else want to give it a try? Anybody else? Come on, man. Hmm. That's good. What else? You have to believe. For God so loved the world. What's a scripture that coincides with for God so loved the world? Why were you yet sinners? Christ died for us. For God so loved the world. He loved us before we loved Him. He loved us before we ever had any knowledge of Him. He loved us when we were... We've already been talking about it. He loved us before we were clean. He loved us. Agape love. Agape love, my man. That's beautiful. For God so loved... Now look at this in a time frame. For God so loved the world that He gave. And why did He give Jesus? So that we could be saved. But let's talk about that for a moment. Why did He, why did he give Jesus? Because what? Because man sinned against God. That's very good. Why would He need to give Jesus? Because He loved us. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, right? He gave His only Son. And so we look at that. What did His Son represent? We just talked about it a whole, like 30 minutes ago. Redemption, righteousness, and sanctification. God so loved the world. He loved us when we were sinners. He loved us before we would even, we couldn't do nothing for Him. He loved us, but why did He love us? Why? Let's talk about that. Because God is love, sure. He created us. Talk about it, my man. Come on, who are you? Where did you come from? Got some revelation in there. He created us, but what did He create us with and from? From His own image. But even that, listen, I could scope something out of dirt. I could paint paint a picture. I I, I could do something amazing with... Come on, my man. There it is. He put His life in us. And so God so loved the world... 
that he gave, God wants back what's his. He wants back what belongs to him. It's not just the image, but it's very substance, his life. His breath, his aliento. This is what he wants. He wants himself back. And friends, he will have that with or without your flesh present. Because death and life belongs to the Lord. You have a choice for your flesh to join in the resurrection or your spirit just to die and your flesh go to hell as well. But God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son righteousness, redemption, and sanctification. And what does it say here? That whoever believes in him, in Jesus, should not perish but have everlasting life. And what does this everlasting life mean? Not life after death. The life we've been given now. When we receive Jesus. Because the Bible says to know God is to have eternal life. And we can be experiencing right now the God life. That glory that I just spoke about in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 where no eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has prepared, even a heart to con uh, conceive or understand what God has prepared for him. And it's that glory, it's that manifestation, what God decreed before you and I were even thought of, that we would be able to live a life in God right now, demonstrating. You see, redemption is not just for you. Redemption is for everything around you. Friends, let me talk about that for a moment. And we're just in John. We're in John 3.16. How many know this, that when you gave your life to Jesus, I told, I told Pickard, I feel like I'm going to school today. When you gave your life to Jesus, you came in to a prophetic kingdom that will never end. Did you know this? Your very existence challenges all of the belief system that the devil has built. That God will hate you if you fall. Your very existence prophesies of the rule and reign of Christ Jesus forevermore. That's why every handshake you give... Every sandwich you give to a homeless person, every act of love, if you are in God, prophesies to the goodness of God forevermore. It is just manna right now to somebody who's walking in a wilderness. It's beautiful. It's beautiful, my friends, to think about what we've been given. But the truth is, now let's go all the way back to the beginning to the church. The truth is, is that when God brings us into his kingdom and he covers us with his blood and he gives us new life, friends, listen to me carefully. That new life is to prophesy of the goodness of God. When you and I are still in God and we live in lesser glory, choosing to sin, 
choosing to step one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world, we are prophesying to the world around us, it's okay to live in lesser glory. It's okay to live in lasciviousness. It's okay to to sin. It's okay to do these things. Friend, listen to me. Your life prophesies. Your life prophesies. Fathers, your life prophesies to your children about how good God is and their future glory with Him, even the present glory. Are you following me? Why do we need to live in this place and submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit at all times? Why? Why? Because when we do, we actually allow the Holy Spirit within us to take dominion over the substance we were created from. And when we do that, only can other created things say, those are the sons and daughters of God. That's why you're recognized by your fruit. Fruit of the Spirit or fruit of the flesh. Just because you're in God doesn't mean you're always in the Spirit. But you're always prophesying something. Because you've been brought into prophetic nature. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But in order that the world might be saved through him. This is extremely important. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Why? Because the world already stands condemned without him. The Bible says that people are enemies of God until they become believers and followers of Christ. Condemnation is not something Jesus did. Jesus came to break the condemnation. <laughs> but friends, condemnation follows the ways of the world instead of the ways of the kingdom. So if you're starting to feel condemned, you better check if you're walking in lesser glory. Are you following me? So he says here, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in Him is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. That light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because of their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. How beautiful is that! It's wonderful. Friends, I could keep going on and on and on, but I know it's getting warm in here, isn't it? Stand to your feet today. I'm going to ask my brother to come play the guitar. I don't know where my phone went. I think it's in here. Okay.
I was in worship and there were some things that kept coming to me. I'm going to get up on the platform for this. See, I don't, I don't like to prophesy and I don't like to give words of knowledge without you guys understanding where it comes from. I really don't. I like to talk about Jesus. I like the invitation into the life of glory. That's what I love. I've, I've got pretty, pretty amazing testimony. I'm a fourth generation minister. My grandfather, great-great-grandfather, was, if you guys know anything about church history, how many know a little bit about church history? A little bit? Okay. How many have ever heard of John Alexander Dowie? You ever heard of Dowie? My great-great-grandfather was the last successor of the church, the CCAC, the Christian Catholic Apostolic Church, with John Alexander Dowie. He was an incredible guy. John was, he was misunderstood a lot. I mean, he was very controversial. I lived in Zion. I grew up in Zion my whole life. I uh, was born on Eshkol Street. I used to play at Shiloh Park. Uh, my dad was born on Ezekiel Street. All the names of our town are biblical names. At 9 o'clock in the morning and then at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, we'd have a town bell organ that would play from the main church. And if you were from Zion, you would get on your knees and you would pray. It didn't matter if you were in the local Bilo or whatever <laughs> store there is. You would get on your knees and you would just worship God. That's what I grew up in. I grew up in a home of divine healing. I've never had a shot. Neither of my kids. I remember one time my dad was playing softball. And it was raining. And the bat slipped out of the batter's hands. And it, the bat flew. And my dad was a pitcher. And it caught him on his nose and pushed his nose to the side of his face. Blood everywhere. And my dad, he yells, Father! And my grandpa was in the stands doing what every pastor does. They just sit and talk all the time. Right? And he looks up and he sees his son bleeding. So he comes down. He wasn't even in a hurry. He walks down. As he's walking out on the field, he lifts his hands in the name of Jesus. And I watched my dad's nose go back to front and his. And my dad wiped off the blood and started pitching again. I've seen miracles. I've seen miracles. I've seen two people raised from the dead, raised them from my, myself from the dead. I remember growing up and we had a kitchen in, in the basement of the church and there was a little Filipino woman that had been trained up by my grandfather and someone died in the church and they took him downstairs. They didn't even stop the preaching. Took him downstairs and laid him on the kitchen counter. And they gathered around him the intercessory prayer team who believes in the glory of God on their lives. And they began to pray over this man, and he came back to life. It's incredible, incredible stories. I've seen miracles upon miracles upon miracles. And you say, well, maybe that's, that's you. no, my friends, listen to me. I'm no different than you. I'm no different than you. I was born in obscurity. At the age of 21, I was in the Lake County Jail in Waukegan, Illinois. I was, a, I was using cocaine. I was a violent individual. I was running from the call of God on my life. I was sleeping around. I was going to all the parties. My, my, my hands still bear the marks of teeth that were stuck in my hands because I was a fighter. 
violent person. I remember that night, August 5th, 1996, the day before my birthday. I cried out to God. I said, Lord, if you're real, reveal yourself. I don't want to know you like my mom and dad. I don't. I want to know you how you see me and how you want me to. And a wind blew into my cell that night. My grandfather, not my good grandfather, but my other grandfather, my mom's dad, was Irish Mafia. I had grew up with people coming over to my grandfather's house, Chuck the Hitman, Boston Joey, Boston Shorty, Willie the Beadman, all of these, these names. Yep. Rich the Rocket Man from Chicago, all these people, Big Mark. We had all these guys that would come over there. When I was running from God, I ran to his house. <coughs> it was crazy. I literally had an angel on one side and a devil on the other. When my grandfather, Billy, the Irish mobster, when he passed away, it was very interesting. I had just gotten out of jail. And the very judge that put me, I was looking at 13 years in the penitentiary for narcotics. And I only got three months. And when I went to jail and I got out, that judge that put me in jail came under federal indictment for working with the mob. I had my own cell. Everybody else was double bunked. I walked into the prison, into the jail, and they pulled me aside. They said, they said Scott Lee, is your grandpa Billy Gaines? I said, yes, this is your cell. Everybody else's cells would close at night. Mine would open, and I would go to the officer's lounge and shoot pool and eat Hot Pockets with them, ice cream. It made the other prisoners kind of mad. <laughs> so I'd bring them back little pizza pockets too. It was wonderful. But I gave my life to Christ. And I never looked back. That very next day, when I was in that jail cell, I said, Lord, you didn't save me just so I could continue the same. He whispered in my ear, preach my gospel. I said, what? He said, tell them about me. The next day, I walked out in the commons in the jail, the dorms are all around and they have a common area. I walked out in the commons and I stood on a chair. I said, friends, let me tell you about someone who just changed my life. I didn't even have a powerful testimony. Because the day before I was a cussing, swearing, mean person. And last night he changed my life. I saw 13 Mexican gangsters come to Jesus. I started a Bible study in that prison, in that jail that continues to this day. A friend of mine who runs David Gates Associates, it's a, it's a place that helps out people that have been struggling with drugs and alcohol. He runs it for us now. I've planted over 130 churches. I've traveled the globe. I've seen millions come to Christ. And it began with a yes. It began with, Lord, I don't know anything. And I don't want to know you like the person on my left or my right. I don't want to know you like my father talked about you. I don't want to know you like my mom. I don't want to know you even like my grandfather. If you're going to change my life, I need to know you. And that night, he swept in. 
I believe there's people in this room. Before we even go further, I believe there's people in this room. I know some of you have raised your hands and some of you have prayed before. But I know some of you in this room have never heard the message I preached to you today. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. Because there's a glory that God has for your life. And some of us in this room have been walking in lesser glory. And we have not seen the things that God has promised to us or the things that we believe that we should be seeing. Friends, if there is anything in your heart today that you know of, I want you to just lift your hand and say, that's me, I need to change. Just lift your hand across this place. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We laid our hands on our hearts in the beginning. We asked for the Holy Spirit to touch us. Now I want you to lay your hand on your heart again all across this place. And I want you to pray with me. Say, dear Jesus. Dear Jesus. Forgive me, Jesus. Forgive me, Jesus. Wash me, Jesus. Wash me. Cleanse me, Jesus. Cleanse me, Jesus. Lord. Lord. You've given me a life. You've, given me a life. You've redeemed me. You've made me right. You call me holy. Lord, forgive me for walking in lesser places than the things you've prepared for me. Help me, Jesus. Hold my hand, Jesus. Teach me, Jesus. Holy Spirit, I know it's not by might. I know it's not by power, but it's only you, because you know Father, and you reveal Jesus to me. Thank you for the invitation into the family of God. I want you to turn to someone and just look around real quick. Just look around this place, and as a prophetic act, before we go any further, prophetic act. I want you just to say this. Even though you might not know the person, this is a prophetic act. I want you to say, I'm sorry for living in lesser places. Do it. And you know why we're doing this? Because in order for us to see the glory of God fill the earth as the waters cover the sea, we need each other. We need one another. This is not a me, myself, and I. This is the body. This is the church. God decreed before the foundations of the earth began that you would be glorious. You would be glorious. So we're going to worship the Lord for a moment. Then I'm going to come back for just a few moments. So... Listen to me, friends. If you've never lifted your hands before, lift your hands. If you need to get on your knees, if you need to find a spot and lay down, do that. But we're going to worship Jesus because of what he's just done here today. This is the, the refire. Is that what it is? The refire. So I bless you guys, and I'll be back in just a moment. But let's worship Jesus together.